The Guardian. Welcome back to Big Picture Politics, Guardian Australia's politics podcast. I'm political editor Lenore Taylor, and in this week's episode we ask, does Australia have a climate policy that could work? And if not, where might we find one? In a few weeks, the Abbott government will announce Australia's new climate change target, how much we'll promise to reduce our greenhouse gas emissions after 2020. There'll be a lot of discussion about whether we're shouldering our fair share of the burden. The government will make a big deal of the fact that Australia does look likely to come somewhere close to meeting the existing target, the one that takes us up to 2020, although that's going to be largely because we're using less electricity and we overestimated where our emissions were heading in the first place, which meant it was a pretty easy target. But the big unanswered question about our new target is how we intend to get there. What policy do we have that might possibly deliver significant emission reduction after 2020 and get us ready to make those sort of cuts beforehand? I'm going to ask this question of two long-term participants in this debate, Danny Price, the Managing Director of Frontier Economics, and Professor Ross Garneau, who conducted not one but two investigations of climate policy for the previous Labor government. First to Danny Price. He was one of the people cited by the Environment Minister Greg Hunt when he first unveiled the Direct Action Plan in opposition in 2010. More recently, Price sat on Hunt's hand-picked advisory panel looking at the policy's implementation. He was a critic and remains a critic of emissions trading as it was legislated by the former Labor government, all of which made him seem like a reasonable person to ask whether the current policy, the current government's policy, can work to reduce Australia's greenhouse gas reductions to meet a tougher target that this government might sign up to. Danny Price, thanks for joining Big Picture Politics. Direct action, as it sits on the books right now, is it a policy that can meet the target the government will announce in a few weeks? Is it a viable long-term policy for Australia? Um, Direct action, um, I I said uh, uh, right early in the scheme that I thought it was a a viable um, transitional tool to um, to get um, to get to the 2020 target, and and I've said consistently that I think uh, the direct action could achieve the 2020 target, and that looks um, increasingly likely. I think we've only got about 230 million tonnes to go, um, and we started off with about a billion of carbon tons dioxide of carbon emissions, dioxide emissions um, accumulated uh, accumulative target to achieve, and that looks um, em- eminently achievable. So direct action can certainly. Um, play its role in in, in getting get to, to first base. That's right. So the, the, so your question is, that, you know, can it take us to the next stage? That depends very much on the, the size of the target. One of the big issues with direct action is that, that the cost of direct action is on on budget. So even if we think that um, direct action is the most um, uh, economically efficient in terms of um, uh, mitigating the sort of broader economic impacts of these schemes, um, the, the fact that it's on budget. Uh, just puts it under enormous pressure, and there is no doubt that if uh, we're regard if we're required to um, increase our target substantially to meet sort of international obligations and the pressure that we're going to come under, um, a, a larger amount will come on budget. So it'll cost a shed load of money. Yeah, that's right. So if if for example we're looking at a target um, similar to what America has been talking about by uh, twenty twenty five and twenty thirty ultimately. Um, that that could cost in terms of uh, resource costs. Um, that's the cost of actually building kit to to meet the target between thirty five and forty billion dollars between um, <clears throat> the end of twenty twenty to about twenty thirty. But is there a way that using direct action, the government could transfer some of that cost to the businesses that are doing the emitting? Yeah. So uh, the, the 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 sort of 
Uh, and in fact, the ministers, um, uh, he, he's, he's pointed this out before, um, and, and I'm not too sure that people are listening, that um, <clears throat> the direct action policy has, uh, had, uh, t- and together with the, the renewable energy target, um, these two schemes have all the ingredients that are necessary to have an effective um, greenhouse gas emission policy, which actually um, eases us into much tougher targets. So, uh, and the key aspect of that, of course, is the, uh, the so-called safeguard mechanism. And so uh, <clears throat> under the ERF, the safeguard mechanism is um, like a, it's, it's like a benchmark. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a goal to that um, under direct action, you should not um, uh, exceed. So and it's basically the way that it puts, tries to put a cap on what emissions come out of industrial and electricity generation. So they don't overtake the emission reductions that the government's buying from other parts of the economy. Yeah, roughly that, that, that's speaking. right. So the government's invested money on behalf of taxpayers. It doesn't want that squandered by businesses then ramping up their emissions. But the minister has said, I think he told the UN Environment Head, Christiniana Figueres, that yes, the safeguard mechanism would do some work to push industrial emissions down after 2020, but that would require the government to change the regulation. The government would have to take a decision to say, yep, we're going to actually get this policy lever to do some of the work instead of just paying for the emissions straight off the budget. And that hasn't happened. The regulation doesn't say that right now. Industry's arguing very strongly that it shouldn't say that. It is your point of view that it will, the government's going to have to come around to, to that in order to make this whole policy affordable with the policy they've got right now? Well, I think the, the government's priority to date, and, and, and it will remain the same as, as far as I'm aware, that, um, is to achieve the 2020 target. If Australia achieves its 2020 target, it would be um, uncommon in the world. It would be quite, you know, quite a quite an important achievement. In fact, our target is uh, is very similar to the, the target that the the United States has at the moment, and slightly below that of Europe. So, in, in spite of the criticism about the target being too too weak, it's very comparable to uh, other Western countries. So, past twenty twenty. Um, the, the, the government will most definitely have to think about the way in which it uses uh, the mechanism of direct action and indeed the renewable energy target as well um, as, as complementary tools to bring down emissions. So we will have to review the way it works. But that's not to say it needs a fundamental redesign. Of all, that's one of the reasons why I've been such a supporter of direct action because it had all the ingredients of a scheme that could be really long-term effective. But it would, ha- it would be requiring... Uh, industry, electricity generators, to do things that they wouldn't otherwise do. Yeah, that's right. I mean, in fact, that's that's a whole p- whole point of any carbon pricing, uh, emissions trading, ERF, is trying to get people to change their behaviour, either by um, encouraging them positively, like that, that the ERF works, because um, it effectively gives people a business opportunity to reduce emissions. That's the way the Direct Action Fund works. Or you can penalise people, no matter how good or bad they are, and that's what a carbon tax or an emissions trading scheme does. So they're two very different mechanisms. And uh, it would also, would it not, if the government used the safeguard mechanism in the way that you're talking about, it would sort of effectively become a type of emissions trading? Uh, Well, it depends very much on the way in which the, as I mentioned before, about the way in which the safeguard works. So if, if, for example, um, the safeguard only... uh, So if if, uh, businesses... um, uh, Undertook actions ahead of the uh, the safeguards, where they knew where it was, um, you know, what their obligations were. They invested to reduce their emissions. Um, that they wouldn't incur any any form of of, of sanction whatsoever. Um, but they, they, it's it's hard to believe that somebody wouldn't exceed the baseline and end up having to pay some penalty. And so, 
you know, it really comes down to what would that penalty be? Um, and so if you're really interested in reducing emissions, then the penalty ought to be to go out and buy some emissions reductions from someone else. It's not about sort of generating income for the government. It, and that's a, that's a very big difference between direct action but and... But it's still a market. Stream. It's buying emissions. It's companies buying and selling yeah. emission reductions between one another. Yeah, it's, it's, an, it's the exact same way that the renewable energy target works right now and has been and has got bilateral... Uh, political support, so bipartisan political support, rather. Um, that the renewable energy target is a, is a market that's been operating for a number of years. So uh, retailers, electricity retailers, they have to buy these credits, um, and they trade them between themselves and between producers and consumers. So to go back to where we started, the policy that we have right now, as it stands. Uh, can it meet the post-2020 target at a cost that we can afford without change or amendment? Uh, it, 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 can, it can certainly... There's, not, there's nothing wrong... With, direct action can work um, for the current target and it can work for uh, a future tougher target. The, the only thing that really uh, changes is that the quantity of money to, to, uh, to pay for a reduction in a, a tougher target will be much greater. Um, and, uh, and, and just you, you just know... That, that's going to put any government under a lot of pressure because it's a, it, it's, they're writing a cheque every year. And so people, it's very transparent as compared to a, a carbon price, which is, is, is not as transparent. And the way the government could avoid a $40 billion cost between now and 2030 and still use this policy to meet its emission reductions is to force change via the safeguard mechanism on industry. Yeah, that's certainly that's certainly an application of the direct action policy. It's, it's all all the mechanism is in place to do it. Um, it's not the way that the government has been applying it, but it but it could be applied in that way. Mm-hmm. And so you you've effectively got the the credit side of the scheme with the the, the funds that are available under the ERF. You've got a, a baseline, if you like, um, the the safeguard mechanism, um, <clears throat> and all you need is a a penalty to stop people from going over that. And that exists under the, the scheme as well. So all the ingredients are there. It's just that the government has put the emphasis on the um, inducement side rather than the penalty side. It doesn't want to be seen to be penalising people. It wants to induce them to behave correctly through sort of financial means. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot for joining us today. Thank you. So even a backer of direct action thinks it will have to be changed significantly to meet a tougher target. Now I'm going to speak to Ross Garno who I suspect will have a less optimistic view of direct action's usefulness. Ross Gunner, thanks for joining us. There's, Hello, Eleanor. Hi. There's an old joke about someone asking directions in, I don't know, Ireland or Scotland, depending on the telling, and the answer is always, oh, well, I wouldn't start from here. And you might say that this, about Australia's climate policy. You wouldn't start from here if you wanted to design a sensible policy and have a sensible debate. But given where we are starting from, I want to ask you how you think we can get to a climate policy that can work, specifically in the first instance, can direct action become the kind of policy that could meet our 2020 target or a deeper target that we will commit to post-2020? I think there are lots of problems with direct action as it's currently defined. Uh, And I think those problems will be compounded if we use that as the model from which uh, we do everything else. Uh, For a start, uh, one has to be clear what our targets are. We committed to the United Nations that we would reduce our emissions by between 5 and 25% by 2020, depending on what the rest of the world was doing. We now know 
the conditions have been met uh, to require us to reduce our emissions by uh, 15%. Uh, that's um, straightforward and that's how, how it is being read by other countries. Uh, we may pretend that we only said uh, 5%, but that's not actually what we advised the United Nations uh, and the international community, and it's certainly not what they heard. Uh, there's no prospect of uh, Australia uh, through the current mechanisms reaching minus 15% by 2020. But even... Uh, a bigger challenge than people are aware in meeting the unconditional target of 5%. Uh, the, the, uh, the projections that are now being uh, utilised to seeing us uh, to, uh, get there um, are, are based on uh, the, the uh, substantial progress in reducing the emissions intensity of the economy that's occurred over the last few years. But a lot of those changes are the results of uh, policies which are being weakened or dismantled. Uh, so I don't think we can simply presume a continuation of those trends. Take the electricity sector. Uh, we've been helped by uh, uh, demand for electricity falling by a couple of percent per annum. A, a little bit of that was the uh, carbon pricing, but uh, a lot of other factors as well. Um, more importantly, uh, we were seeing a very big reduction in the emissions intensity uh, of um, electricity production um, uh, up until the middle of this year, but uh, dismantling um, uh, carbon pricing has been associated with uh, an increase uh, in the emissions intensity so that emissions in electricity are actually rising this year uh, despite uh, so far a continuation of the fall in total demand. Uh, we're about to get rather a large increase in uh, emissions from electricity uh, because of the, the starting up of the Gladstone uh, uh, gas plants, which uh, will pri which will lead to a big, which it, well they're already leading, but it will go much further, big increase in Australian domestic uh, prices for gas, uh, and that will effectively uh, price gas out of the electricity market, except for. Um, the, the extreme peaking events uh, and uh, m virtually all of the uh, the decline in gas production of electricity will be uh, backed up by uh, increases in coal-based uh, electricity, a lot of it brown coal-based. So that's going to increase emissions by a few percent, total emissions, not just electricity emissions. It's going to be but, big. But is there uh, anything you can do to direct action that would make it work? Well, I just had a conversation with Danny Price and he was saying that if the safeguards mechanism was dialled up, if you like, to become um, a real limit or even uh, forced to force real reductions in industrial or electricity sector emissions, then it could in fact be the policy that could deliver us deeper targets. Do you think that's true? Well, that's not part of the policy now. Uh, if you did have uh, safeguards, that meant that if any existing enterprises went uh, um, above baselines uh, comparable to their base emissions under the old emissions trading scheme uh, and if that base fell over time uh, so that uh, uh, companies uh, had to meet uh, tighter and tighter targ targets over time, if the baselines extended to new rigorously to new enterprises as well as to uh, old ones, new projects as well as to old ones, uh, if there were high penalties uh, comparable in dimension to what an emissions trading scheme uh, 
uh, would have, then you would have uh, an emissions training scheme, except that the, uh, uh, the, the, the excess uh, uh, value uh, in low emissions activities uh, uh, would uh, be kept by the enterprise themselves rather than uh, going, mm. into government, uh, going into government revenue. So you could end up with something that was... Um, similar to an emissions trading scheme, with the one difference being it wouldn't contribute to government revenue. Therefore, there'd be no revenue to compensate those uh, who lost through higher prices. We shouldn't kid ourselves that uh, such a scheme wouldn't affect uh, prices. It would affect the prices of emissions-intensive activities in the same way as an emissions trading scheme. The only difference would be that uh, uh, one or other of the producers would keep the uh, uh, the, the effects uh, uh, on, rev on revenue rather than the government taking it. So it could have, if you had the same price as with an emissions trading scheme, uh, read the same uh, targets uh, set enterprise by enterprise instead of set for, the, set for the economy as a whole, so there's administrative inefficiency, uh, and... Uh, uh, if you uh, tighten those targets over time, as was envisaged for the emissions trading scheme, then the only difference would be that uh, a low emissions enterprise would keep the revenue instead of the government getting it. But you'd still get the passing on of costs to uh, consumers, so you'd have the same price effect, but there'd be no tax cuts to compensate them. So let's assume for a minute that all those ifs are a bridge too far. Where does that leave us? The government is going to announce a new post-2020 target do they have any policies? Do they have sufficient policies to reach their, their existing target, let alone a new target? And how much would it cost to get to a deeper target using on-budget scheme like an emissions reduction fund? Well, without the safeguards... Uh, then there's no reason to think the emissions trading scheme will reduce emissions much at all, no matter how much you spend on it, because uh, you'd pay for one activity to be closed down, but uh, there'd be no constraints on the on a variation on that theme uh, expanding somewhere else. Uh, so with, without the safeguards, you can't be sure the direct action or the emissions reduction fund will have any effects at all. Now, there, there are lots of policies that different countries around the world have adopted that, that this government might adopt to reach any target, uh, but we, we don't know about them. They're all in the future. Mm -hmm. So how do we break the political paralysis then? How do we get from here to a workable climate policy? Oh, I think the first step is to... Uh, 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 have a uh, a target that fits that is in line with what comparable countries are doing uh, once we've done that then the focus will come onto uh, what's the cheapest way of getting to that target right but that's my question how do we get from the debate that we've had and the policy that we have to a, a workable policy to reach a target Oh, it's a very simple question for economists. The, the low-cost way is an emissions trading scheme or a, a, a carbon tax. Uh, but uh, America's demonstrated, China's demonstrated that there are other ways that you can get there through regulation, uh, through all sorts of government interventions. It just, it's just that uh, the economic costs of those uh, methods are much higher. Uh, now, the political, given uh, the assurance that have been made... Uh, but no carbon tax and so on, it, it might be politically easier for the government to adopt a high-cost method. And one has to agree that, uh, uh, that it does not uh, destroy the environmental contribution. If you reach a good target, a satisfactory target, 
uh, in an economically expensive way. The environment worries about emissions, uh, not on how much it costs to get there. And what do you think the reaction would be from the rest of the world if we announce a target and it's not at all clear how we're going to get there? Oh, there... I, I think the immediate reaction would be uh, uh, one of uh, uh, concern uh, and expectation that having announced the target that the government would set about putting the policies in place. So so the, the, the main reaction would be to wait and see and to take great interest in how we were going to do it. Mm -hmm. And are you holding out a lot of hope that we will put a credible target on the table? I just don't know. I know you're closer to the discussions than I am. Uh, uh, certainly, uh, uh, ministers uh, uh, have given us uh, hope that, given us assurances that there will be uh, credible targets in line with comparable countries. Um, yes, I am hopeful that we'll, we'll get that, uh, but but I haven't got direct information on what's likely. Okay. Thanks very much for talking to me today, Roscano. Good to talk to you, Lenore. Bye. For more great downloads, head to theguardian.com/audio.